are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24, at myportfolio.com. On there you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked on Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. But what are we discussing on today's pod? Well, I want to do a little look ahead to the 2023 MLB Hall of Fame ballot. I just want to go through some of the candidates because there's two guys that really stick out to me as potential first-timers that could make it as first-time Hall of Famers, I guess, is the best way I want to say that. So I want to talk about those two guys. And then there's three other guys who I think at one point had a Hall of Fame case, but with the way that their career went, I think they're not likely any longer. But I think they should at least get the 5% vote. So there's just a few guys I want to talk about on next year's ballot that are newcomers that potentially can make the Hall of Fame. And then we'll talk a little bit about returners from this year's ballot that could see a bump in their percentage as well. So do a little more Hall of Fame discussion on today's pod. So we're going to jump right into it. But before we do that, I first need to say thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be doing this podcast without you, the listener, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. But now, let's jump right into the pod. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Miller Thomas of Lockdown Dimeback still here, and we're looking ahead at the 2023 MLB Hall of Fame ballot because there's two guys on here, two newcomers I think could be first-time balloters getting inducted into the into the MLB Hall of Fame because overall the ballot is going to be pretty weak. I mean, look at some of these names. You got like a Joaquin Benoit, Stephen Drew, Joe Blanton, Adam Lynn, Jonathan Broxton, a lot of guys that are not going to make the ballot. But there are two guys I think can be first-timers that get in right away. And the first guy I want to discuss on this ballot is going to be Carlos Beltran. Yes, the guy who had a very long career that ended his career, book ended his career with a little cheating scandal in Houston. Yes, that is Carlos Beltran. But still, if you look at his overall resume, Carlos Beltran has the resume to be potentially a first-timer getting inducted into the MLB Hall of Fame. He is someone that is second on this entire ballot in war. Yes, I'm not the guy who 
loves war. I'm definitely the guy who doesn't love war, if you guys heard my podcast for a while now. But still, if I had to use war to make the case for Beltron, he is tied for the second highest war on the Hall of Fame ballot with Scott Rowland at 70.1. A-Rod is number one on the ballot for war next season. Beltron, nine-time All-Star, so this is someone who put in 20 years of work, nine-time All-Star, longevity and peak. I think Beltron had both of it. In the postseason, this is someone that also saw his game raise, which is something I care about a lot. I've talked about a lot on this pod. Like The postseason has to matter. It's a reason why I think players like Big Poppy and Kurt Schilling are Hall of Famers, because if you're damn good in the regular season, if you're an all-star level player already in the regular season, but you get better in the postseason, I think that has to matter even more when making a Hall of Fame case. I'm not saying someone should be a Hall of Famer entirely off the postseason because if you're a mediocre regular season player but an all-timer in the postseason, I'm not saying that then you should be a Hall of Famer either. Maybe like a David Freeze who was like an okay regular season player but had some really great postseason moments. I'm not advocating for someone like him to make the MLB Hall of Fame, but someone like Carlos Beltran, already an all-star level in the regular season, gets better in the postseason. Yeah, that should matter in your Hall of Fame case. Postseason average of 307 for his career with a 1021 OPS. Very phenomenal. In the 2004 playoffs, Beltron, then with the Houston Astros, tied the MLB record for most home runs in a single postseason with Barry Bonds at eight. At one point, he had a home run in five consecutive games in the postseason. That's what big time players do. They have big time moments and big time stats in big time games and Beltron was a big time player he did it over and over again in the postseason he also was crucial when he was with the Cardinals later in his career when he spent a little time in St. Louis because that team also got to the World Series at one point during the World Series he robbed Big Poppy of a Grand Slam hurt his ribs on the play but kept playing to the tune of a 294 average so even when this guy got hurt he still toughed it out and still gave you all-star level production and he did win a World Series in his career now It was at the very end of his career, literally the last season at age 40, he won that World Series with Houston. Uh, And uh, it's not like he was a huge part of that team. It was probably more of leadership. And, you know, he was kind of the ringleader of the scandal. But he still has the World Series to his resume, which I guess helps him out a little bit in his Hall of Fame case. But I don't think that one's really moving the needle if you had to make an argument for Carlos Beltran. I don't think the World Series ring is too high at the I don't think the World Series ring is at the top of Beltran's resume and it's honestly probably the only part of his resume that Beltran wants to be scrubbed so I don't think he's bringing up the World Series too much when he's pleading his case to Hall of Fame voters this is someone when I said had the peak and longevity argument like I wasn't lying he was an all-star pretty early in his career you know mid-20s all-star like a lot of these players when they start to peak in their 20s but he also made an all-star appearance at 35, 36, and age 39. So Beltron is someone that was a beast early in his career, kind of reinvented himself a little bit as he got older, but he was still a stud and still an all-star plus player, even 
as he entered his late 30s, that is the sign of someone that is an all-timer. Usually when you look at a lot of these all-time great players, they are still productive late in their career. They're still Hall of Famers late in their career, and the same with Carlos Beltran. I think I got his all-star appearances wrong. He has three, six. Oh, no, he has nine. Okay, I thought he only had seven. I thought I miscounted it. No, Carlos Beltran does have nine all-star appearances, 12 seasons with at least 20 home runs, seven seasons with at least 27 home runs, nine seasons with at least, with at least 17 stolen bases, and another four seasons with at least 30 stolen bases, over 300 stolen bases in his career, 10 seasons with at least 90-plus RBIs, a career 280 hitter with an 837 OPS. And when you look at some of his all-time numbers for his career, like he's top 50, top 60-ish in a lot of numbers. Like he has 2,700 hits, 62nd all-time in hits, about 1,600 RBIs, 41st all-time, almost 1,100 extra base hits, 25th all-time in extra base hits, and 435 home runs. 47th all-time, so he's like top 40-ish in a lot of stats, top 50-ish in a lot of stats, I think, considering there's over 20,000 MLB players. Being top 50-ish in a lot of stats probably leads me to believe that you're a Hall of Famer, one of the best players in his career. Now, if you had to look at some knocks against Carlos Beltran, uh, he played for seven teams in his career. I think it's easier to make the Hall of Fame when you're synonymous with one, but or at least one or two, but Played for seven teams. He was great for most of those teams. I don't think that's really going to knock him too much. And he was named in that cheating scandal. The only player to be named in the report in the cheating scandal. He was kind of, people consider him, I guess, the ringleader. And he got most of the blame for the cheating scandal, whether that's fair or not. And I think that's going to be an argument, I guess, against him. But it's not like it was steroids. It's not like it was... You know, I think there was I think there's other things that are worse that could have kept him out in terms of cheating outside of, you know, worse than what he did in Houston. And considering it was the whole team, it was a culture there. We've seen other teams get caught with devices and things like that. I don't think the cheating scandal is going to weigh too heavily for a singular player. Yes, he'll tarnish his legacy a little bit, but considering he was already 40 years old and already had an incredible career, I don't think the cheating scandal is going to hurt him too much. One fascinating thing about Carlos Beltran's career, because I consider him, when I think of Carlos Beltran, I think of him as the New York Met in that orange and blue, but the offseason that he signed with the New York Mets, that offseason he was a free agent, it was actually the Yankees that were the favorites to sign Carlos Beltran. That's where Beltran wanted to go. He wanted to be a Yankee, but it sounds like the Yankees didn't want to pay him the money, so he ended up going to the other New York team, the Mets, and of course the rest is history, but it makes you wonder what a big what if because Carlos Beltran was seriously one of the best players in baseball during the mid-2000s, and if the Yankees had him on a team, on their team, maybe during that 9 run and other years you know, surrounding that run, maybe they win a couple more World Series if they have a player like Carlos Beltran, so He's someone that I think should be a Hall of Famer. I don't know if he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I think he's someone that definitely should get in and deserves to get in. And just another reason why when I think of Carlos Beltran, I think he's a Hall of Famer because just growing up playing MLB The Show, when you played as Carlos Beltran or when you were doing a 
my, you know, franchise mode, my career mode, my GM mode. Whenever you saw Carlos Beltran, if you were running a franchise, you wanted to go acquire Carlos Beltran because he was always one of the best players in MLB The Show, typically a 90 overall. And I think video games are a great reference point to see how good a player is because if you think he's a hall of famer then the video game numbers should reflect it this guy should be one of the best games in a video game if he's a potential hall of famer and there was what an eight-year stretch there or more where Carlos Beltran was consistently a 90 overall in MLB the show just another reason he's a hall of famer so Beltran I don't know if you're first balloter but I think you're a hall of famer overall in my book now, we'll discuss one other guy that I think should be a no-doubter Hall of Famer from the 2023 MLB Hall of Fame class, but this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts your car will need. Winder, often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com, at home, and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are always reliably low for every customer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. This episode is also brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar, it's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your New Year's resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it. Unlike those other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill, Built Bar is covered in 100% real chocolate. It's soft. It's easy to chew. It's low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, so it's great for that keto diet. Just go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your next order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast and let's discuss the next guy who I think could and should be a slam dunk MLB Hall of Famer. Now, is he a first balloter? That's not for me to decide, and I'm not too sure if he is, but I think he definitely will and should be a Hall of Famer because the next guy I want to talk about is Francisco Rodriguez, someone linked to Carlos Beltran because they had a couple of overlapping years with the New York Mets, but Rodriguez. Six-time All-Star, led the league in games finished three times, and led the league in saves three times. Beltron was absolutely one of the best closers in baseball during his peak, and he is someone like a Beltron who had two peaks. He is someone that came into the league on fire, early, mid-20s, was a beast, and then had another late career resurgence, revival, whatever you want to call it, with you know within his late 30s, and again was a stud later in his career, just like he was earlier in his career, just like our Carlos Beltran, eight seasons with at least 35 saves. Just think about that. 
K-Rod, five seasons with at least 44 saves as well. So this is someone that had high volume during the regular season. You were giving him the ball whenever it was a close game, and this is someone that typically closed it out for you. Three seasons with finishes in the top four of Cy Young voting and one sixth-place MVP finish. So this guy was so good. He was not just considered your run-of-the-mill closer. This is someone that was considered one of the best pure pitches or best pure pitchers in baseball to the point that voters were consistently getting him Cy Young votes because he was that important to his team. It got the ball that often, and his volume was enough where you could really consider him a potential Cy Young Award winner. So Francisco Rodriguez is someone that had a, an absolutely insane career and insane resume. Think about this. In 2008, he saved 62 games. That was an MLB record and still is an MLB record. There has never been a closer to even crack 60 saves except for Francisco Rodriguez with 62 in 2008, still a single season record, was an unknown rookie back in the 2008, or excuse me, back in the 2002 playoffs for the Anaheim Angels. And this is someone, K-Rod is someone that was a rookie, unknown, got called up that September and made a huge impact in the postseason, never won a major league game in his career, then came into the postseason as a rookie, won five major league games in the postseason, and was the youngest pitcher at the time ever at just 20 years old to win a World Series game. K-Rod has done remarkable stuff since the time he's broken to the league. 295 career postseason ERA over six series. Even back in 2011, played the D-backs in a playoff series, made two appearances, struck out four D-backs, we even got to see the dominance up close. 437 career saves for K-Rod is fourth all-time in Major League Baseball. And I just think the K-Rod nickname itself is one of the most badass nicknames in baseball. Because when you think of nicknames in baseball, like how many of them first come to mind? Like, of course, you think of A-Rod, you think of Big Poppy. Uh, I don't even know, but there's a few more that come to mind when you first think of baseball players in the game. But K-Rod was right there at the top of the list. When you think of baseball players and you think of nicknames, K-Rod, one of the best nicknames in all of baseball at the time. And just another guy, if you had to bring up the MLB The Show comparison, probably the best closer in the video game for a five-year stretch there like a 97 overall, absolutely nasty. No one could get a hit against him. Basically, him and Mariano Rivera were just two cheat codes at the closer position in MLB The Show. Uh, but I would have to say the biggest knock against K-Rod would be similar to a Carlos Beltran. Played for five teams over the course of his career. But when I think of Beltran, I think of him as a Met first, then a Brewer. I don't think either of those are going to be the reasons he gets kept out of the MLB Hall of Fame. There are some, a couple incidents off the field issues where, uh, with the K-Rod that could be problematic for him with this discussion next year so we'll see but in terms of his resume in terms of his statistical resume what k-rod was able to do throughout his career like i think you have to consider him a hall of famer this is someone that won a world series with that 2002 angels team was a critical part they basically was putting him out there 
uh, consistently basically every game during the postseason because he was a rookie. So there was not a lot of scouting on K-Rod. They, the, the opponents really didn't know what to expect when K-Rod was on the mound. And the curveball during that run was absolutely devastating. And throughout his whole career, his curveball was devastating. Mixed in with that changeup and high 90s fastball. Like This is someone that had a devastating arsenal. One of the best strikeouts per nine of basically anyone we've seen the last 20 years, especially when you just uh, dwindle it down to just relievers. K-Rod is someone that was... At, you know, ahead of his time when it comes to strikeout rate, 10.5 strikeouts per nine for his entire career, 1.15 whip for his entire career as well. So this is someone with elite control, someone that can put up the strikeout numbers or put up the strikeout numbers, put up the strikeout numbers is the best way to say, it, and which is dominant throughout his career. He's going down in my head as either a Met or Brewer. And I think I'm going with the Mets first because that's the first team I think of when I think of Francisco Rodriguez, a future Hall of Famer in my book. Now, we'll discuss three guys who I think at one point were on Hall of Fame trajectories, but with the way their career you know, ended up, they're not going to be Hall of Famer. So we'll discuss those guys in segment number three. But first, I want to tell you guys about BetOnline because this episode is brought to you by BetOnline. There might be less football being played, but BetOnline has way more stuff to bet on this playoff season from scores, totals, and player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. BetOnline is the number one spot for all the NFL betting you need in 2022. And with the new year comes a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to get started. And it's not just football. BetOnline's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline, where the game starts. Let's get back into the pod and let's discuss three guys who I think at one point could have been Hall of Famers, have the Hall of Fame talent, but their careers just ended up not being Hall of Famers or their careers just ended up not being Hall of Fame-ish. I don't know the best way to phrase that either, but the first guy I want to talk about off the 2023 MLB Hall of Fame is Jared Weaver. I'm sure you guys remember Jared Weaver. This is someone that really peaked in the mid-2000s, around the 2010s, I want to say, is when Jared Weaver peaked. He, at one point, made three straight All-Star appearances, three straight seasons, finishing top five in Cy Young voting during those three straight All-Star appearances. And basically, from 09 to 2014, that was his peak. And these were his ear rays during that stretch. 375, 301, 241, 281, 327, 359. He was a he was an excuse me he was a legit ace. I tried to say an legit ace. That's just not how you speak proper English. He was a legit ace for the Angels for a five year six year period there where he looked like one of the best pitchers in baseball. Looked like a legit Cy Young candidate every year, uh, and was in consideration to start the All Star game basically during those three peak years because that's how good he was during that stretch. 
from 09 to 2014. He led the league in wins twice. He led the league in whip, hits per nine, and strikeouts once. And he had four seasons with over 200 innings pitched during that time. So Jared Weaver was also someone that was a workhorse. 2.6 ERA, over 27 postseason innings. So if you know me, I'm going to bring up the postseason, especially if your numbers are even better in the postseason. Jared Weaver, another one of those guys. Really fantastic regular season pitcher, even better in the postseason. And for his entire career, great guy when it comes to control, great whip. But the knocks against him, why he's not going to make the postseason is because not a big strikeout guy. I think Strikeouts are sexy. They're in demand right now. And he is someone with a strikeout percentage below 20 for his career. And again, his career peak just didn't last that long. 09 to 2014 was basically his peak. And then he just kind of fell off after that. So I think Jared Weaver is someone that had Hall of Fame talent at one point in his career. But because the peak didn't last that long, his numbers are great. But he didn't pitch in the way his style pitching didn't show dominance, I guess, because he wasn't a flamethrower. He wasn't racking up the strikeouts. So it would be a lot of six innings, you know, one or two earned runs, one walk and like five strikeouts. And it was a dominant day in the box score, but it didn't look dominant when you're watching him. So it could be another reason why he gets kept out of the Hall of Fame. But he's someone that had a really good peak when he was peaking. But because it didn't last long, he's not going to make it, unfortunately, at least I think in my opinion. Now, the next guy I want to talk about has kind of kind of had a, a similar career to Jared Weaver, and that is Matt Kane, three-time All-Star, two-time World Series champion. This is someone, again, 2.1 ERA, over 51 postseason innings. This guy performed at his greatest on the biggest stage in the greatest moments, especially the World Series. His peak lasted from 07 to 2012, and this was Kane's ERAs during that time. 365 ERA, 376 ERA, 289, 314, 288, then 279. At least 200 innings pitch during all those seasons. And even through a perfect game back in 2012 against the Houston Astros, the first perfect game in Giants history. But Matt Cain, he just had a career similar to Jared Weaver's because a dominant prime, dominant peak, it just didn't last that long. Those, what, five, six-year uh, year race stretch that I just rattled off. I think it was six-year stretch. It was great, but it didn't last that long. Short prime. He was basically done by the age of 28. By the time he entered his late 20s, Kane was not the pitcher he once was because after that 2.79 ERA, he was a four the season after. Then injuries crept in for Matt Kane, and it just all fell apart. And this is someone that signed a big deal during those last couple years. Uh, with the San Francisco Giants during those last couple of years of his peak. He signed a fat deal, and it ended up being one of the worst deals in baseball at the time. So Matt Cain's another one of those guys who just is not going to make it because his career just didn't end up like the way we thought it was going to be. Injuries got to him, and ended up, it, it, his career ended up being shorter than I think what a lot of people expected, considering he was someone that was crucial and was a major reason the Giants were winning World Series. He's another one of those guys that not a big strikeout guy. Strikeout percentage is going to be below 20% for his career, but great whip, great control, a lot of wins, great year raise, but peak just not long enough, and I don't think he's going to make the Hall of Fame ever because of it. 
at least in my opinion. And then the last guy I want to discuss is Jacoby Ellsbury, who probably has the worst case, uh, you know, when comparing him to these two guys. But I still want to bring him up because I think Jacoby Ellsbury was one of the best table setters, one of the best table setters at one point during his career. Because I think early in his career, I think he made the case he had the Hall of Fame talent and was potentially on track to make the Hall of Fame from 2008 from 08 to 2014. He played at least 130 games in five of the seven seasons. And in the seasons where he played 130 games, he had at least 39 stolen bases in all of them and a 280 average in at least four of those five seasons. And he even had a second place finish in the MVP voting in one of those years as well. Even still 70 bases in one of those seasons as well. So this is someone with just absolutely elite speed. But the reasons why he's not going to make it either is because injuries severely limited Ellsbury during his career. He's someone that missed a lot of playing time during his career. And he only has a 760 career OPS. He was never a big power guy and just didn't get on base as much as you would have thought for a table setter. He was just someone that could hit for high average. And because his speed was so great, he didn't have to hit it hard to get on base. He could beat out basically any ground ball. But I think because of his quality of hitting and the fact that he was so freaking fast at his peak, this is someone that has over 300 stolen bases as well, but played like half the time that uh, Carlos Beltran did. So because of that speed with the combination of contact as well, I think he had uh, I think there was a point where he could have made the Hall of Fame if he if if Jacoby Ellsbury had 10 plus years of 290 average with 45 stolen bases a season. I think he could have made a case for the Hall of Fame, but injuries just took him out. And that disappointing run with the Yankees where he got paid and basically didn't do much with them because of injuries as well. I think it's just going to be another reason why Jacoby Ellsbury doesn't make the MLB Hall of Fame. And just looking at returners for next season, I think Scott Rowland at 63% and Todd Helton at 52%. I think they're probably going to get in next season or just get right up to that 75% threshold because Scott Rowland is someone with a career 855 OPS, seven-time All-Star, second among war on the ballot. I think the voters really like him, and I think he's someone that could potentially get in next season. Todd Helton, I could see him getting in maybe the season after just because he's coming off that 52%, but career 316 hitter with 953 OPS, multiple 30 home run seasons, almost won triple crown during the season. He had 147 RBIs with a 372 average. I know he played at cores, but even his road numbers are pretty all-star-ish, so I don't think that'll be a reason to keep him out the MLB Hall of Fame. So I'll look at those two guys as potential Hall of Famers for next season. Uh, at, among the returners, at least. I still like a Gary Sheffield. I still like a Andrew Jones as well, but I don't know if they're tracking enough in that direction for me to make the proclamation that they'll make the Hall of Fame next season, but we'll see. So that's my early thoughts on the 2023 MLB Hall of Fame. Now that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned in to today's pod. Come back on Wednesday for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. We'll be discussing options for third base for the Arizona Diamondbacks. As always, thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. It's free and available on all platforms. Go make your second listen of the day. Lockdown Bets with your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. If you want to put some extra money in your pocket. And of course, as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!